0: When the Bible describes the exile of God's people, sometimes it can sound like an objective news report. Uh, The facts are given at a distance, Uh, those people committed those sins and they were booted out of the land, that kind of thing. The book of Lamentations feels very different. Here, the anonymous author, traditionally thought of as Jeremiah, I'll just call him Jeremiah from now on, he lays bare the horror of Jerusalem's destruction. It is a first-person lament. Jeremiah identifies fully with both the sin and the sorrow of his people. As he lays bare both the sin and the sorrow, it makes for an arresting combination. Uh, we have a category for sin and we have a category for sorrow, but we find it difficult to unite the two. You know, A sinner deserves judgment without pity, and a poor wretch receives sympathy but not judgment. Yet Lamentations holds both these things together. The people are wicked and pitiable. For instance, chapter 1 and verse 20. See, O Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within me, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. The author pleads with the Lord to see his situation and to see it with kindness. Yet, for much of the book, the Lord is described as an enemy of the people. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. That's what uh, chapter uh, 2 and verses uh, 4 to 5 say. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of the daughter of Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for the daughter of Judah. Behind the enemy force of Babylon stands the God who has ordained these brutalities. He is justly punishing His people for their sins. And this punishment seems to be falling uniquely on the author of Lamentations, on Jeremiah, let's say. Um, Lamentations verse, chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction. By the rod of his wrath, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. One man seems to stand at the head of the people, bearing the brunt of God's judgment. And yet his statement of faith is at the very heart of the book. There's this sense of one man bears the brunt of the judgment for the sins of the people, but he is a faithful sufferer, suffering in the place of his people. And he somehow sees through the enmity, the judgment of the Lord, and he hopes that beyond that there is mercy and compassion. Let me read to you the very heart of the book. This is probably what's most familiar to you from Lamentations. Chapter 3 and verse 21. In the midst of all this calamity and judgment and sorrow, he says, I remember... I I, sorry, verse twenty one. Here, here it is. Verse twenty one. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail; they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion; therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For men are not cast off forever by the Lord. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. You know, In our writings, we, we tend to emphasize something by putting it at the beginning or at the end. In Hebrew, it's different. The important part is in the middle. And these words are the centerpiece of lamentations. Surrounded by suffering and death and judgment and sorrow, these words rise up like Mount Zion, proclaiming the Lord's great faithfulness. And you have to ask, well, how can the author trust in God when God seems to be the cause of all of Israel's woes? How can he seek refuge in the very one who brings judgment? This man has incredible faith. He takes the punishment at the head of his people, he bears the yoke, he turns the other cheek, and he waits to be vindicated. In the morning, he is certain that he shall see the great faithfulness. Of the Lord, this man of sorrows is pointing us to Christ. Christ voices our laments before the Father, and He takes responsibility for our sins. Christ entrusts Himself entirely to the judgment of God, entirely to Him who judges justly, as 1 Peter 2 verse 23 puts it. And on that cross, Jesus is the true temple that's torn down. On the cross, He endures the ultimate exile for sin. Nonetheless he maintains an unshakable faith in his merciful father. He knows that God will not cast off forever and that the new morning will bring mercy. On Easter Sunday Jesus came through the judgment of God and he offers us refuge on the far side of destruction. Whatever is lamentable in our own lives whether it's sin or whether it's sorrow We need to know that Christ has taken up our laments Himself and He has come through into innumerable mercies. Know for certain that the cross gives way to resurrection, and so allow Christ's faith in the Father to be yours. Our songs of lament will turn to hymns of praise. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand besides. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me.